Sponsorship of the KQED live audio stream comes from Xfinity Mobile, featuring customized wireless plans. Customers can choose unlimited, buy the gig, shared data, or a mix of both and switch it up anytime. Learn more at XfinityMobile.com. Hi, I'm Sean Baudouin. I'm the author of Going Nowhere Faster, which came out on Little Brown earlier this year. Today I'm going to read a short story entitled Guerrero, which appears in the latest issue of Instant City, which is a great local journal that publishes fiction and essays about the pros and mostly cons of living in San Francisco. Guerrero. 6 a.m. The peeling Victorian sits on the north side of Cesar Chavez, on the south side of a Safeway lot, three lanes of nonstop traffic and no good bars to speak of. Two flats are connected by a tile staircase, an ever-present smell of wet rug and spilled soy and roommate. There's a crayon wall and a stack of Viet-era magazines and a fireplace filled with dead flowers. I hear everything from my center room. The vibrations rise through the joists and the cheap plank floor, running along my spine. 9 a.m. Johnny, who lives across the hall, with his beard and slippers and trucker's belly, looking down at me, worried. Why are you laying on the floor? Aren't you cold without any clothes? Johnny, depressed, on my couch with a crumbled tissue, telling stories, boyfriends come and go, have come and gone. He stares at my record collection, the last eight or ten left, a human league and a Ramones, some other stuff. You mind if I play Jolene again? He lifts the needle. Johnny, who loves Dolly Parton. 10 a.m. Larry and Laura, the couple that thumb from North Carolina, the sounds of rutting from the room above. Larry with his three-string guitar, two-string drawl, black turtleneck. Larry sweating and chewing his lip and clomping around me in crank circles, the white boy duck walk, pretending to play Chuck Berry on a broom. Laura, long and straight in Auburn, who carries scissors in her purse just in case, a smile that says she can't wait. Laura standing in my doorway in a t-shirt and panties. I could get you a blanket. Laura, who laughs like a tubercular mule. 11 a.m. Susan, who collects the rent and arranges house meetings. Susan, with the three best rooms, a hoarder. Floor-to-ceiling boxes, beads, bolts of fabric, doll heads, gears and wires, articles about the hats of Jackie O. Need some help getting up? There's broken machinery in the garden, compost unattended, a small patch of cement yard, more cigarette butt than cement. It's like the city has been crop-dusted gray. Listen, she says, trying to smile and missing. I don't want to pry, but if you're just going to lay there, how are you going to pay your rent? Noon. Brian, the rumor. Brian with extensions piled like an understudy for Carmen. Brian in bare feet and loose pants, taut, halfway between dangerous and not. Monday's my recital. Brian sweeping into my room to stretch, one leg extended, mastering the Alexander technique in a crouch against the wall. He contorts, twists, a spasm of muscle, suddenly over me. Is this some kind of protest? No fair this, no fair that, we want justice. I watch him lower into an impossible split. I guess this means you can't make my recital. Brian twirling away to his room full of plants, his radio, some crackly station, banjos or drums or ululating Arabs. Brian disappearing for a week, then coming back and insisting his new name is Ariel. 4.17 p.m. Misha, elaborately dreadlocked, bored, in bangles and cheap jewelry, the real stones in some Manhattan safe box that will open on her 25th birthday. Misha, who squats at my side, showing white thigh, wanting to really talk, wash her feet in the Ganges. You ever wonder if there's a purpose? You ever wonder what happens after? You ever wonder why we're even here, and I don't mean in this house? 
She arranges her skirts, more thigh. She runs her finger around me like a chalk outline. Her shirt falls away, shoulder draped with a ruinous tattoo. An enormous lizard playing the stand-up bass, distended in green, the idea of some drummer who dumped her over the phone. 5.05 p.m. Tom who's on a tight allowance after Susan cashes his SSI. Tom who runs out of bugler mid-month and then will roll anything. Lint, leaves, dust, hair. Tom who giggles into his jacket sleeve, an ancient blue pinstripe, more Manson than Nancy Drew. Tom who eats mayonnaise out of a jar with two fingers. Tom who knows he's not allowed in my room but likes to peek in anyway. 6.30 p.m. Dave and Janet, married. Janet over 40 and Dave maybe 25. Dave with an ancient Volvo and a greasy handshake. Dave who once took me to an apple festival where we polished off a sack of royal galas and watched clog dancers spin in bonnets. Janet, embarrassed. Dave's got an old soul. Janet, who claims to be a nurse, who has a room full of tinctures and concoctions, a gynecological exam table from the 20s, straps and wires, leg stirrups. It's an antique. Janet, round and vaguely menacing, prepared to inject remedies, insert spantules, aminos and lysines and B12. She shakes her head, repacks her gladstone. Suit yourself. I won't come crying, I say, half a beat before she says, don't come crying. The stairs creak with her weight in its intent. Midnight. Ananda, mulatto, whip tight, a bike messenger in riding shorts. Ananda smelling like a dray horse, rubbing my forehead. My mother has a new husband. This one's white, too. She lays around all day in a satin robe like Eartha Kitt. Ananda, who takes me in her arms some nights, dark nests scratching my back while we spoon, chased, warming one another. Sorry, but I'm not getting down on the floor. Ananda, who wears tube socks on her arms like debutante gloves who has a horizontal scar under one eye that only makes her more beautiful. Dawn. My wife put me on the Greyhound almost a year ago. You'll be back. The diesel groaned away from Chicago, three days eating out of a grocery bag, highway pickets flashing like microfiche, billboards and winter desert, the only things between old and new and two dusty bumpers. I finally arrived, 5 a.m. on Cold Market Street, which lay unloved between the spread legs of downtown San Francisco. I had two drinks in a bar where some men were painting an Aztec warrior on the wall and then found a job calling people, harassing them with promises of free gym memberships. I slept in an all-night laundry for a week on ridged orange seats bolted to the floor. Hey, buddy, you can't lay there. My sweater is on spin. Beat it. An index card said cheap room on a corkboard in a grocery that sold raw nuts and green drinks. Hi, do you prefer to live as a community? Share meals and chores and experiences? Two sixty a month. Cook once a week. Must not be scared of vegan, Wiccan, or AIDS. 5.56 a.m. At first light, I can see out the window. It's an odd angle from the floor, looking up and away, ignoring the street. It's a view of eaves and gutters and underroofs, a line of grinning flats. For half a block, I can see the tops of windows, the tops of heads behind them, peering out with the hope of someone to wave at. I can see the reflection of televisions, hosts and scores, and a cartoon ferret, distended across white plaster ceilings. The horns of insulted crabs play call and response. Upstairs, a faucet turns. Someone coughs three times. If you lay and watch long enough along the curving ridge of Guerrero Street, every description will have an action to complement it. Every reason will have a reason not to. Soon, Johnny will come in with breakfast. Thursday will be Friday, and the morning's noises will thrum along my spine. 
To subscribe to the Writer's Block and hear more stories, please visit www.kqed.org slash writersblock. The Writer's Block is produced by KQED.